0: At the 2017 BRICS Summit in the city of Xiamen, the BRICS leaders received an exquisite box of assorted Fujian tea as a gift. The varieties included Tieguanyin from Anxi, Da Hong Pao from Wuyi Mountain, and Jasmine Tea from Fuzhou City. This was no regular box of tea. It tells the story of how lives of local tea farmers had changed with Xi Jinping's leadership when he worked in Fujian as a local official. She started working in Fujian in June of 1985 and stayed in the province for 17 years, holding various positions in different cities, including Xiamen, Ningde and the provincial capital Fuzhou. When Xi first began his career in Fujian, the eastern part of the province was the most impoverished. Surrounded by mountains on three sides and facing the sea, Fujian enjoys a warm and humid climate with abundant rainfall, which is ideal for growing tea. In fact, the eastern part of the province was once a famous tea-producing region, with a history of tea planting spanning over 1,700 years. Many world famous tea varieties, such as Tan Yang Gongfu Black Tea, originated from right here. As time went by, however, the region lost its advantage in the tea industry. Locals whose livelihood depended on the mountains fell into extreme poverty. To find a path out of hardship for eastern Fujian, Xi Jinping visited all major tea plantations in the region in the next few years to find out the main reasons why local tea farmers couldn't make a decent living. He found that despite having favorable natural conditions, the local tea industry was too scattered and disorganized, where farmers each blew their own horn and sang their own tune. Xi Jinping planned a way out for the local tea industry through industrialization and economy of scale. More specifically, it meant planting in scale, cultivating high-quality products, grading tea leaves and building brands. He also suggested setting up local administrations to facilitate step-by-step implementation. Following Xi's design, the region started to regain its advantage in the tea industry. With more jobs created, lives of impoverished people gradually improved along with the local economy. The local poverty alleviation effort thus evolved from a model of blood transfusion to one that stimulates blood-making abilities. People could now help themselves become rich. Xi Jinping believes that development is the fundamental approach to eradicating poverty, with industrial planning being one important aspect. He says poverty alleviation through industrial development is the most straightforward and effective way. By the end of 2020, policies regarding poverty alleviation through development of local industries reached 98% of impoverished households across the country, making it the most sustainable approach in tackling poverty in China. Developing local industries is one major scheme of targeted poverty alleviation put forward by Xi Jinping a strategy that requires customised development methods suitable to local conditions, targeted guidance for special groups of people, and appropriate allocation of resources to poverty-stricken regions. Other policies, such as resettlement and social collaboration, have also yielded impressive results. The last mile is always the hardest. The same is true for poverty alleviation. In face of the last mile, Xi Jinping advocated relocating people away from impossibly harsh natural conditions. In these areas and in other places frequently hit by natural disasters, building infrastructure for water, roads and electricity would be extremely costly. It's almost hopeless to speak of a life of prosperity if they stayed where they were. In such cases, the best way to help the people is through resettlement. When Xi Jinping was working in Fujian province, a group of people who had been living on wooden fishing boats caught his attention. These locals were known as gypsies on water and were considered a special impoverished group. These families had lived on wooden boats for generations. One fine day in late April of 1998, Xi Jinping visited Yang Yongxiong's home, a fishing boat moored off the waters of Xiapu County. Xi Jinping had to bend way down to go inside the boat's small cabin. Yang's father, who was nearly 80 years old, offered Xi a wooden pillow as a seat. The two started chatting. Lao Yang, how did you become a fisherman? And how are things going now? I've lived on this boat since as far as I can remember. Life used to be harder. I got some land along the shores after 1949, which made life a lot easier. The government relocated fishermen ashore in the 1960s. Why didn't you go then? I was used to living on water. I was concerned that I wouldn't be able to make a living on land. What about now? Do you want to move ashore now? I've seen other people settle well on land. Some have found jobs, some are selling seafood. They're living a good life. I'd love to go now if I have the chance. That was a reenactment of the conversation based on published works. The boats that these fishermen called home were usually seven to eight meters long and less than two meters wide. These dingy and damp boats had neither electricity nor water and normally housed a family of several generations. After seeing these conditions, Xi Jinping couldn't wait to take actions. He led efforts to accelerate the relocation plan and urged local governments to take follow-up measures to help the newcomers on shore to earn a good living. In the following three years, roughly twenty thousand boat dwellers in Fujian moved into new homes on land. They are grateful to Xi Jinping to this day. Chen Shouzhang is one of them. <laughs> The idea of relocating people living on boats came from Xi Jinping when he was working in Fujian. We were deeply touched that as a provincial leader, he would come out of our small boats to chat with us. Jiang Tai feels the same way. We were all so excited the day we moved. We were fascinated by the light bulbs and we couldn't fall asleep the whole night. We were incredibly excited. It felt like celebrating the Chinese New Year but even more joyful. Happiness was knocking on our door. In the years that followed, Xi Jinping never forgot about the people who moved out of their boat homes, and he urged local governments to follow up on the life and work of these new village dwellers. In time, many of the people who relocated found work with a stable income in marine fishing, marine transportation, trade or tourism. They were able to live and work on land and shake off poverty. By 2021, in Fujian's Shaqi village, which was the first such resettlement village from two decades ago, average annual per capita income for the villagers had increased about 27 times from 1998. Throughout history, there have always been imbalances in development between China's urban and rural areas and across regions. It has never been an easy task to lead the entire country to prosperity. Towards the goal of common prosperity, Xi Jinping has attached great importance to collaborative development between China's western and eastern regions, mutual assistance between more developed and less developed regions, and he has encouraged people who became rich first to help others catch up. In 1996, Fujian launched a program of one-on-one support for the less developed Ningxia Hui Autonomous Region in Northwest China. Xi Jinping led the program as the then deputy secretary of the CPC Fujian Provincial Committee. That year, Ling Zhanxi, a professor at Fujian Agriculture and Forestry University, successfully developed the Jin technology a method of cultivating mushrooms on grass. The Juncao technology enabled edible and medicinal mushrooms to grow on specific types of grass or herbal plants and helped achieve recyclable production between plants, animals and fungi. Using grass to grow edible mushrooms offered a new solution to eradicating poverty. The new technology attracted Qi's attention as he had long been keeping an eye on poverty alleviation. Soon, Xi Jinping incorporated this new technology in the collaboration work between Fujian and Ningxia. He encouraged experts to travel to Ningxia to teach the locals and develop new types of edible mushrooms suitable to local conditions. Very soon, Jingzhao mushroom cultivation became the cash cow industry for Ningxia And thanks to the poverty alleviation programs, the provincial GDP expanded more than 16 times in 20 years. Incomes for both rural and urban residents increased nearly seven times. One-on-one support between Fujian and Ningxia became a vivid example of tackling poverty through cooperation and exploring common prosperity. What's more exciting was that, with promotion by Xi Jinping, the Juncao technology not only reached other parts of China, but went beyond borders to aid global efforts in poverty reduction. So far, the Jingzhao technology has been applied in over 100 countries and regions around the world, creating hundreds of thousands of local jobs, helping people find a way out of poverty. In Papua New Guinea, the first country to benefit from this, the grass on which mushrooms can grow has become the grass of hope for the people. I call my younger sister Jun She's named after the technology to I'm sure, bond between my family and the Jun Kao technology. During the time I started till now, I have achieved a lot of things. My kids are in school. All their school fees are paid. I have a car. My house is built. In Fiji, people hail Juncao mushroom cultivation as the new hope for agricultural island states. In Lesotho, people there wrote a song about it, which goes, some say it's wild grass, some call it life. It's food, it's medicine, it's hope. This new method has also helped many young people find jobs in Rwanda. Lifting huge population out of poverty is one of the greatest testaments to Xi Jinping's capability in solving real-world issues. By the end of 2020, China had lifted all of its nearly 99 million impoverished rural population out of absolute poverty, winning the fight on schedule. You've been listening to Stories of Xi Jinping, In episode 4, we will explore how Xi Jinping's thoughts regarding ecological civilization gradually came into form, and how he has been carrying the historical responsibility of promoting the harmonious coexistence between people and nature.